You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. persecutions made them trusting God all the more. Can you imagine that? Something that caused them harm made them trusting God all the more. Now don't tell me you haven't had hardships in your Christian life. Don't tell me there weren't times when you had a really, really trusting God when things were really, really hard. Maybe not a beating, but there was hard times. Maybe it was a surgery. Maybe it was an illness. Maybe there was a death. Maybe there was something else. And you trusted in God and you grew because of that. You grew. Your faith soared because of that. And you became a better Christian because of it. A fanatic is more than just a fair-weather fan. As a believer, your faith should not waver in the face of the storms of life. The hardships or persecution you face will be hard. But as Pastor Dave points out in the example set by the believers in Acts, when you fully rely on Christ, those trials only grow your faith. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 5 as he continues his message, Being a Fanatic. We're always wanting to destroy each other in the name of our God or our country. But the Christian has been called to a higher standard. We've been called to a higher standard. We've been called to fight without hatred. Fight without hatred. We've been called to love our enemies. We are to resist without bitterness when things go against us. And should, by some chance, God give us victory, we're not to be vindictive. That's not how the Christian fights. We're different than other people. We don't fight the same way. And how did the apostles respond? (laughs) Look at verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake. What? Rejoicing? I'm going to be wrong, folks. They weren't rejoicing because they were beaten. They were not rejoicing because they were beaten. They were not rejoicing because of the problem that had come upon to them. They were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy. They had been connected to Christ. They had been connected to Christ through suffering. And this was counting them worthy, and that's what they were rejoicing about. It's a privilege, a privilege to be associated with Jesus in any circumstance, even to suffer shame. What? Yes, even to suffer shame for his namesake. You know, the apostles have been with Jesus how long? Three years. They spent three years with him, 24-7, sitting by the campfire, listening to him at night, sleeping around him, hearing him snore, waking up in the morning with him, fellowshipping with him, watching as he goes off to pray, coming back, healing all kinds of people. Three years they spent with him. But I can't help but imagine that when this happened, when their backs were bloodied and they were walking out of that cell, staggering out of that cell, some of them started to think about Matthew 5, verses 10 and 11, or excuse me, 10 to 12. They started to think about this. And he, Jesus said to them on that mountain that glorious day, they're called the Beatitudes. And at the end of the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Did they think this when they were leaving the council? Was this on their mind? 
And they thought, wow, remember what Jesus said about persecution? Look what just happened. And their hearts were filled with overflowing. Their hearts were filled. They were satisfied with the love of Christ. They said, wow, he was talking about this day. Was he making a prophecy as what was happening here? And they were joyed over glad. Now it says, bless it, which in translated means, oh, how happy. This is not some giddy, giddy happiness. This is a true satisfaction in the heart. A true sense of fulfillment with the Lord. A true sense of oneness with God. That's what they were feeling. Sadly, there's teaching today that says that when you accept Christ, it's the end of your battles. This is a false teaching. Because when you accept Christ, sometimes the battles are just beginning. But they're new battles. You're more equipped now for the battles. You have newer equipment for the battles because you have Christ living in you. And you're more equipped to handle the battles, handle the things that are coming your way than you ever were before. For when the battle comes your way, you don't have to reach for that bottle. You don't have to reach for that pile of pills. You don't have to reach for that pornography or have that that sexual relation. You have a way of saying no. Because you've been given now a pure choice. You now have the power to say no to sin. Before you were saved, you didn't have that power. You were powerless. Sin was your God. Sin was who you worshipped. You don't have a choice, but now you have Christ. And you can make that decision with Him. You can't make it apart from Him. You have to make it in Him. Because He's making the decision for you. It says if we suffer for Christ's sake, oh, how happy we are. Now, some of you are probably thinking, Dave, you're whacked this time. Suffering for Christ? Suffering? We're going to have to suffer? Yeah. All throughout scriptures, we're talking about suffering. It's talked constantly about scripture, about how we are to suffer. Suffer for Christ's sake. Paul, when he writes to the Philippian church, in chapter 1, verse 29, he says this beautiful passage. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Show of hands at how many people have that scripture posted on the refrigerator. I'll bet none of us have any scriptures that have to deal with suffering posted on our refrigerator. But nobody wants to remember those scriptures. We all want the ones that are going to make us feel rosy and joyful and peaceful. This is great. But that's not what Christ preached. Christ told them, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Oh, how happy you will be. You will be filled to satisfaction if you're persecuted for my name's sake. Oh, blessed you are. Yours is the great reward in heaven. Wow. Wow. You know, probably don't know this, but it's not easy being a Christian in the world today. Our society is not a friend of God, nor are they kind to God's people. Whether we like it or not, there is a conflict between us and the world. See, we're supposed to be different than the world. We're supposed to stand out from the world. We're supposed to be different. There's supposed to be a difference in us. The scriptures we read from Matthew represent an outlook that is fanatical. And it's radically different from that which the world endorses. I mean, after all, the world endorses pride. Jesus endorses humility. The world endorses sin and what you can get away with. Jesus endorses repentance and forgiveness of sin. While the world is at war with God, God wants nothing but to reconcile the world to himself. God loves to make his enemies his children. And I am an example standing before you today. I was an enemy of God. Didn't want nothing to do with him. Didn't want to hear anything about him. I was his enemy. Hated the thought of church, religion, Bible study, any of that. I didn't want it. No way, no how. God changed my heart. God changed my life. 
God made me happier than I've ever been in my entire life because of him. Because he died for me on a cross one day. When I was out there doing the most wretched, horrible, nasty things that you could ever imagine, he loved me to die on a cross. He loved me more than anything and said, Yo, Dave, I loved you enough that I'm going to die on this cross for you. And he said, Now, he calls me son. The father calls me son. What a great Father's Day present. He calls me son. I'm a king's kid. Yeah, you're going to have problems in the world. And we have to expect persecution from this world that we live in if we live as God wants us to. Oh, you can live as the world all you want, and you won't have any problems at all. You won't have any persecution because you'll just be one of them. But if you live as God wants you to, if you live the way this word tells us to live, you will have persecution. You will have problems. You will have suffering. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew all about this. And when he's given this exhortation in John 16, we come to this beautiful passage in John 16, 33. He's telling about all these things that are going to happen. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, one thing I love about this verse, to me, it's backwards. He gives us the answer to the problem before he gives us the problem. He says, in me you'll have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So where is our peace? In him. Where do we overcome the world? In him. In him, our relationship with him, abiding in him, staying close to the vine, hanging there, worshiping him, praising him, having daily walks with him, daily prayers with him, studying his word, being everything that he wants us to be. In him, you'll find peace. Step out from him, you find tribulation. The world. This is a fanatical response. This is what being a fanatic really is. It's not some extremist running around with dynamite strapped to his chest. This is fanatical in a true sense. This is what the apostles were doing. The council thinks they won this great victory. The council's high-fiving each other. Woo, we showed them. Yeah, got those guys beat up, man. Did you see that one guy squirm? Yeah, this is great. They'll probably congratulate themselves, you know? Well, we're going to get some talk out there. They'll be afraid of us now. Those people, oh, yeah, you wait. This is going to go a long way. You know what? They'll probably start giving us more money, too, because they think if they don't, we'll beat them. Yeah, this is good. Little did they know that the apostles won that day. The apostles came out on top. They grew in their godliness. They grew in their ability to serve God because they yielded to God and they suffered for the master's sake. This was a, had a tremendous effect on the apostle Peter. Remember, he was considered the leader at this time. Peter was considered the leader of this band. And during this time he spoke, he was the one that spoke out. And this had tremendous effect on him. And if you don't believe that, read the epistle of 1 Peter. In the epistle of 1 Peter, he talks about suffering and how we have to suffer for Christ. And he talks about it constantly. Where did he get this information? Right here. When he suffered and he learned, he learned it true. He learned it. The council thinks they want a great victory. All is well with the world. We've quelled the rebellion. We've silenced these agitators. That's the end of it. Cool. We win. Oh, how the world underestimates the power of God. How the world underestimates the power of God's Holy Spirit living in us. Oh, how the world always underestimates it. The world thinks that this kind of fanatical response is extreme. But look what happens next in verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I have to revisit our quote. 
Winston Churchill said about fanatics, a fanatic is one who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. Do you think this is a description of these guys? They had a one-track mind. It was Jesus. It was only Jesus. There was nothing else but Jesus. They had a one-track mind. These beatings nor anything else stopped them from witnessing about Jesus Christ. Nothing could hold these guys back. If anything, these persecutions made them trust in God all the more. Can you imagine that? Something that caused them harm made them trust in God all the more. Now don't tell me you haven't had hardships in your Christian life. Don't tell me there weren't times when you had a really, really trust in God when things were really, really hard. Maybe not a beaten, but there was hard times. Maybe it was a surgery. Maybe it was an illness. Maybe there was a death. Maybe there was something else. And you trusted in God, and you grew because of that. You grew. Your faith soared because of that. And you became a better Christian because of it. That's what happens here. That's what's happened here. Why is that happening? Because true believers are not quitters. True believers don't quit. We may look fanatical to the outside world, but we've been called with a purpose. You've been called with a purpose. Just like these apostles. We have a commission to fulfill. We've been given a great commission. Go and make disciples. We've been given authority by Jesus Christ the righteous. And him and him alone has the authority to give it to us. He said, go. Oh, you need help? Here's the Holy Spirit. And we need to continue as long as the Lord tarries. As long as the Lord doesn't come for us, we need to continue making a statement that Jesus is the Christ. And that's important that they said Jesus is the Christ. Because remember... The majority of people they were talking to were Jewish. The Christ means anointed one. It means Christos in Greek. It means the Messiah. And this was huge to the Jews. You mentioned Christ. You mentioned Messiah. They knew exactly what you were talking about. So they were preaching that, no, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. But look at the pattern for evangelism in this last scripture. There's a pattern that we can draw from it for evangelism. And I want to end here. Look at this pattern. It says they witnessed daily. They took advantage of every opportunity to speak God's word into somebody's life. You know, all of us have been called to be witnesses. Not just a few, not just the pastors, not just the worship team. All of us have been called to be witnesses of God's love. The problem is we're either a good witness or a bad witness. But we've been called to be witnesses. Whether we draw people to Christ or drive them away. We need to have a sense of... To witness every day. We need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit that we might witness every single day. If we pray for daily opportunities to show His love, I can guarantee you God will give you divine appointments. If you avail yourself to Him, He will use you in the way you've never spoken of. He will open doors that no man can close, and there won't be a lack of opportunity if you avail yourself to God. D.L. Moody was fearless when it came to witnessing for Christ. He was fearless in declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would look for at least one opportunity every day to bring a sinner to salvation. This was his opening lines. How does your soul prosper today? Do you love the Lord? Do you belong to Christ? Nah, 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 nah. And then he said this. He said, you know what? The more we use the means and opportunity we have, the more will our ability and opportunities be increased. When you use it, when you use God, what God gave you, when you use your gifts, they're increased and God gives you more. He gives you more and more as we witness. The apostles, the apostles witnessed every day in the temple. That's the second thing. They did it daily and they did it in the temple. Why did they go to the temple? Because that's where the people were. They went where the people were. Sure, these people were religious, 
But they didn't bash their religion. They didn't come and say things against their religion. They didn't call their religion names. They preached the Christ. They went where the people were. Where do you go? You go to Wawa. You go to the grocery store. You go to your workplace. You go where the people are. And you can start witnessing the people very, very easily. Smile. Be happy. Smile at them. Say hello. Greet them friendly. You know, I was saying the first service, you know, I love, I'm a Wawa guy, I, I admit. That's my Wawa right down there at the corner of Town Bank and Bayshore. I go there all the time. I love that Wawa. When I first started going there, you know, those girls behind the counter. And I would go, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Everything okay? All right. You know, and I come and I'm just happy and stuff like that. You know what? It's been a year and about five months and guess what? I walk up, they'll, hey, how are you? They're talking to me. We've established a relationship because I smile at them. I treat them like human beings. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I treat them like human beings, like they really are. They're people behind that cash register. They're having a bad day, but they're worldly. They don't know any better. And what I want to do is show them the love of Jesus Christ. And I wear my Jesus cap every day and I walk in there and I go, hi, how are you? But don't you see? It's an opening. Don't you see it's a way to get in close to somebody? It's a way to talk to somebody about God. I go where the people are. I go where the people, and that's what they were doing. They went to where the people were. They went daily, daily so they could talk to Christ, show the love of Christ, be different than the rest, be different from everybody else, show the love of Christ. They also went house to house. Imagine that, going house to house, having dinner parties with all these people and preaching the gospel message. Sounds like Jesus sitting with the sinners and talking with the sinners at Matthew's house for dinner. They invited people over, and they had meals with them. They shared meals because their meals were so important. Remember that fellowship we talked about? The koinonia was so important, and they spread the word over meals. They shared the gospel message. Their ministry didn't quit. It went on without ceasing. It never stopped. The authority said, don't teach in that name. Huh. Yeah, want to bet? They taught in that name. Their motive now was not to defy the law. That wasn't their motive. Their motive was to be obedient to Christ. They weren't being obedient to, disobedient to the law. They were obedient to Christ. They didn't turn this off and on. This is who they were. It was their real lives. They were always ready, in season and out season. The, the witness of the church was a balanced witness. There was preaching and teaching. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the word here used for preaching is where we get our English word evangelize. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. People need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know who Jesus is, what he did for us. They need to know everything about him. But the teaching comes in, they need to know why. It's one thing to save someone. It's another thing to teach them and disciple them in the Lord so they know what they're doing and how they're supposed to act. Preach the gospel. Be ready in season and out. Help sinners to believe and why they should believe it. This is, their, this is the pattern that they use. Daily evangelism. Going where the people are. Being in every house. They did it without season. There was a balance. They preached and they taught. And finally, they never, ever changed the message. It was Jesus Christ. He was the central focus of the message, and he will always be the central focus of the gospel. You cannot leave Jesus out of the gospel message. You cannot leave repentance out of the gospel message, forgiveness of sin. You cannot leave those out of the gospel message. They are central and primary to the message of Christ. The new church didn't condemn other religions. They didn't condemn the established religion. They didn't do that. They didn't, I call it church bashing. They didn't go around bashing other churches. Why should we bash other churches? I'm not in competition with them. 
I don't compete with anybody. If they're teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, praise God. If they're not, God will take care of them. I don't have to worry about them. I'm called to do what I do, and that's teach the Word, preach the Word. I don't bash other churches. They don't like it. It doesn't make us look good. We're simply asked to tell people about Jesus Christ. Tell them the message, the story. Paul told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your bondservice for Christ's sake. We don't preach anything but Jesus. And if that's fanatical, so be it. But I won't change the subject. And I can't hold back. Because I'm called to do it. Christ told the disciples and the apostles to wait in Jerusalem to receive power. Why did he want them to have this power? So you can be witnesses of me. You know, when Christ commissioned his gospel message to go out, he didn't hire an ad agency. He didn't hire some suits to go make an ad campaign and put it on a bunch of bulletin boards. He got a bunch of crazy guys, fishermen, you know, tax collectors, sinners. He got a bunch of guys together and some women and said, yeah, you'll do greatly. Go. And then he empowers them with the Holy Spirit. He empowers them with the presence of himself. And they go. And the council goes, aren't these the Galileans? These untrained baboons, these untrained fools, these people who aren't educated, look at the way they're talking. Why can they talk like that? Don't ever underestimate the power of God. Don't underestimate the power of God. There was only one subject on the mind of the disciples, and that was Jesus Christ and how they could show him to a dying world. Couldn't that be our goal? One subject to show the dying world, one subject only, Jesus Christ the righteous. Yes, their actions may seem fanatical, but I believe that they had a sense of urgency. I believe truly that the new church, the early church back in this day, believed that at any possible moment, Jesus would either walk through that door or come through that wall, and he would be present in their church. And they believed that. We lost our urgency for Christ. We've lost the urgency. I mean, it's been 2,000 years. Won't he ever get here? Hey, he's coming. Trust me on this, folks. He is coming back. Where's our urgency to preach the gospel? I know all of us have neighbors, friends, family members. Where's the urgency to get them into the kingdom? We need to have the urgency that the first church had. Christ will come back for his church. The message hasn't changed for 2,000 years. It's the same message. I say, let's get fanatical about Jesus. I say, let's become fanatics for Jesus. Let's tell the world who he is. Let's stand up for righteousness and be counted. Let the doors swing open wide and proclaim Jesus Christ the righteous to all who will hear. That's my battle cry. And I ask sincerely, what are we waiting for? There is no time like the present. I don't know how many tomorrows we have. I don't know how many tomorrows we are going to be given in this world. Whether we are taking out naturally by death or whether we meet him in the air we don't know no one knows don't ever change your mind about jesus don't ever change the subject about jesus you are our time with you is running short for today's edition of a sure hope Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes, 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.